pathetic. I'm not going to lie. So, well, uh, so you know, for us, man, this is um, this is a, a fun Sunday. We're going to really jump into a fun conversation, and it, it's been cool just to see. Um, just God, I love God's timing of things, and it just seems like He just touches every area of your life when He's doing things and working things out. And it's just everywhere you go, you're just like, huh, "That's so funny." That connects to this and wow that relates to this and it's just so cool how God does that and and if our eyes if we're willing to have our eyes open and a watch to see God's activity in our lives it's just such a fun and, ex- and an exciting thing Th- this month for us as the Bell family it's a fun month um, this is Michelle and Braden's um, birthday month and so we've been uh, celebrating them all month I've been celebrating Michelle literally for a month um, she gets a birthday month every year and so every day for a month I do something uh, fun something small something big something ridiculous for her just to honor her um, and spoil her. It's been fun uh, randomly showing up to her work, you know, and all of the other teachers look at her with disdain and they're like, you're so spoiled. And I'm like, that's right, she is, right? And so, um, and so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, and Brayden, his birthday's coming up. It's actually next Saturday and Brayden's turning 10 years old, 10 years old. Like, it's just so crazy. Like we just sit there and it's just like, oh my gosh, our son is 10. Like, how is that happening? We're not old enough to have a 10-year-old, you know? And, and so as we've been talking about birthdays and all that stuff, there's been so many moments where we've just been stopping and reflecting and talking about, you know, what used to be. Even yesterday, um, we went and picked up our kids. They had stayed with my mom and dad. And, and so, because you can't celebrate your wife's birthday with kids, right? It's got to, <laughs> kids got to be gone. And so we dumped them off of my parents on Friday. And so we came back and um, we came back and uh, got the kids on Saturday walking in, and Braden's first bike was laying in the driveway at my parents' house, you know, and, just, and I looked at it, and I was just like, do you remember how cute he used to be? <laughs> he used to be so sweet and cute, and now he's just this man-child, you know, and just stopping and just reflecting at all these different moments and these different points, and, you know, just thinking about what uh, used to be and the way things used to be, and then just acknowledging and seeing where God has us now and the things that he's doing in our lives now. Uh, just the other day, I had a friend uh, that is probably the friend that I've had the longest as anybody that I've um, known in my life other than my parents. And so we've known each other um, since I was about 15 years old. Um, we've been friends. We went to college together. We were roommates after college. Um, he did everything he could to keep Michelle and I from dating because he thought she was a bad choice for me. And uh, I proved him wrong on that because she's awesome. But um, so like he reached out to me and he's like, hey, dude, I'm horrible at keeping connections. Let's get together once a month and let's talk. And so we got together and we just started talking and reflecting on just who you know like who we were now he's becoming a lead pastor which is just insane you know and then you know I'm a campus pastor here and we both were just laughing at the fact that God's chosen us you know to do this thing and and we're just like how funny is that do you remember what we were when we were 15 and what we did you know I mean this is the guy that in college you know we thought it was really awesome at three o'clock in the morning to find bags of poo to burn on Michelle's doorstep like this is you know us and we were that's who we were and now you know, we're in this whole new place and we're just laughing about it, but we're reflecting about, you know, not only who we were and not only thinking about, like, the goofiness of who we were. We remember the dreams that we had when we would sit there and stay up at night and just talk about what we felt like God was calling us to do. And, and honestly, neither one of us were really living for God that well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yet when we were together, we were connected and, and there was something that God was doing in our hearts where, where he was going to set it up to be in continuing relationship to remind us of the things that God had placed in our hearts. The dreams that he had given both of us. And, and now as we were talking, we are realizing and seeing those things come to fruition. And it's not a path that we would have mapped out for ourselves, but it's definitely 
definitely one that we look at and we say, wow, God did that. And look what he has done and look at who we are now. And, and so we don't just look back at the moments and say, man, I wish we were back at those days. But we look at those things and God brings us to those moments so we can say, wow, look at what God has done. Look at who he's made me to be. Look at what his promises were and look how faithful and how good God is that he's made those things come true. And, and so those moments are so fun for me. And, and, and as we've been doing this and, and taking time to reflect, I've been studying through Joshua as we've been having a conversation as a church that we're all getting ready to step into here in a moment. It's been studying in Joshua, and, and Joshua is one of my favorite books. I, I love this book, and I love studying out of it, but one of the things that just stands out to me the most is, is that in Joshua chapter 5 and 6, you see the Israelites, they are now back at the very place that their fathers were a generation ago. They're now standing back at the place where they, they, they had been standing, and they sent out their spies to go into, to look into the land because God had promised it to them, and, and they'd already left Egypt, and they'd seen God do all these miraculous things, and so now they're standing on the edge of God's promise, and they send these spies out, and the spies come back, and they're like, wow, there's awesome stuff over there. It's amazing, but there's also giants, and there's also this, and they start giving their reasons, and their hearts get full of fear, and they decide to walk away from that. But God's promise was still true for the people. And God then brings them back a generation later to the same place that they were before. And the people that are standing there now are people that are standing there not with fear in their hearts, but with faith in their hearts. And there's a lot of time that God brings us back to the promises that he has so that he can reveal to us the things that he's done in us and to show us the faithfulness of who he is. That God doesn't leave his people, he doesn't abandon his people, he doesn't say, this is something you missed your opportunity on, but he goes, this is what I've said is going to happen, and it's going to happen. And when he brings us back to those moments, it's to reveal what he's done in us. I mean, when I'm talking with my friend, when I'm looking at Brayton's bike, I'm not sitting there going, man, I miss that kid so much. I'm going, God, look at your hand on my child, and look at who he's become, and it's so exciting to see that, and I'm looking forward, and I'm looking ahead. And in Joshua chapter 5, that's exactly where these people have found themselves. Their fathers were full of fear, but now they are standing on the edge, the precipice of God's promise. And they're looking at it and they're saying, I'm not going to look back as to what happened. I'm not going to look at the things that discouraged my fathers. Instead, I'm going to look and say, God is faithful. Look at all that he's done. Look at all that he's promised. And I'm going to keep looking forward and I'm going to keep moving ahead. And that's the church that we want to be. We want to be a church that's centered. We want to be a church that's caught up in saying, where is God going and are we following him? We want to be dedicated and committed to doing what God has given us to do. We want to be a church where others see a reason not to trust God. We're overwhelmed by the reasons as to why God should be followed, right? That we're looking and saying, this is what God's doing. This is where he's going. And I just want to chase after him. I want to follow after him. And so when we look at these moments and we see these different things that are happening in their lives, maybe you yourself, you're in a moment where you can remember or think of a time that God's brought you back to something. And you're just like, wow, this conversation seemingly keeps happening. This dream never seems to go away. This promise seems to keep coming up. Every time you come back to that, maybe it's once, maybe it's a hundred times, but you come back to it. It's a chance to look and look and see, man, God has done so much in me. Maybe the promise isn't to be realized today. Maybe that thing isn't there for me today, but look at how much he's changed me. I'm not going to give up because God's not giving up on me. And you just got to be willing to say, God, wherever you're going, I'm willing to follow. God, whatever you're doing, God, I want to be a part of that. You don't have to force it. If it's something that God wants you to do, then God's going to give you an opportunity to do it. 
You don't have to force it. You just have to trust God, look to him, and have faith in him. And when he says, this is where I want you to go, we have to be willing to say, God, I'm ready and willing to do what you have for me. And we want to be a church that listens to God and waits on the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So for us as a church, and specifically for us as a campus here, there's been an ongoing conversation probably even before I came here and was a part of the conversation where we've been taking time to every once in a while just ask the same question and just to say, God, what are you doing? Are you leading in this? Is this for us or is it not for us? And so for the past couple of years, we've been talking about whether or not Williamsburg should move to a Saturday night service time. The Newport News Campus meets on Saturday nights, and um, that is something that they've been doing for a long time. They've been seeing massive success with it. We didn't do it here in Waynesburg initially because we just felt like God was leading us, and because of the way things came together, that it was the right place for us to stay. But this conversation keeps coming back. But if it was ever a moment, we felt like it was forced. We felt like it was whatever, and so we're like, God's not leading. And so if God's not leading, we're going to stay where we are and keep doing what God's given us to do. Because we want to be a church that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's leading us and giving us opportunities to do. However, now at this point, we believe that God has given us an answer of an absolute yes and a definite the time is now. And we are planning at Williamsburg to move to a Saturday night service. So here's the cool thing for this. This is exciting because it's not just a sense of a transition of just like, okay, great, we're going to move to Saturday. What does that mean? This literally is a fulfillment of God showing his activity and his wanting to use us as a church in this community. As you go through, and I'm going to reveal a couple things to you here real quick as we talk about that. And, and, and I, I want this to be a thing that encourages you, encourages you to see not only God's activity in the church, but God's leading in your own life. And that when God speaks something to you, God challenges you, God gives you opportunity, that you look and you see, man, there's moments in which I can just say, I don't know what's going on, but I can trust God. And God's going to open doors that only God can open, right? So here's, here's the deal for us. So... Um, I'm going to give you a couple of details about the move, and then um, we're going to look the scripture real fast because it's important to look the scripture, right? And then I'm going to give you the reason as to why we're doing this, all right? So I'm going to give you the map of what we're doing so you can trust me um, of where we're going, all right? So, so here's the church um, that we're going to partner with. Um, we're going to be partnering with Newtown United Methodist Church on Monticello uh, in the Newtown area. And so it is a beautiful church. It's a beautiful church. Uh, brand new church. It's an incredible church. Pastor Mike is the pastor of that church, and um, he's only been there for a little over a year now. Um, the founding pastor uh, has uh, moved to another church, and Mike has come in as a Methodist church, so they kind of rotate their pastors through about every six to seven years. And uh, taking the time to meet with Pastor Mike, he is just a man of God. He's hard of gold. He's just one of those guys you're just like, can you just hug me? Because I feel like if you hugged me, I would understand God's love better. You know, like he's just one of those super lovable just, and just super smart guys. Uh, we were talking about um, just, you know, where we did our studies and stuff. And I asked him where he, did, where he went to seminary. He said, I did my master's of divinity at Duke. And I said, cool, not talking about theology with you, <laughs> right? Because he's like wicked smart. And so, um, so, so that's the church that we're going to be partnering with. And so here's how this kind of laid out. So, so this conversation's been one that, like I said, we've been having. When I say we, what that means, if you're unfamiliar with how we kind of do church government is, is that we do concentric circles. And so there is a 
inner circle called the governance team, which is made up of elders and trustees um, in the church. Um, and, and Pastor Fred and I are on that as well. Pastor Fred leads that team uh, with Vanessa. And as we are on that team, we're just continuously like, God, what are you doing? Where are you leading us? And, and there's moments where Pastor Fred or I have ideas, and they're just like, you guys are insane. No, right? <laughs> um, and then there's the times that they have ideas, and we're like, we never would have thought of that. And so it's, it's a good, healthy model where we're together leading and saying, God, give us direction as a church. And so we've been asking that question at that level every once in a while when it's appropriate to ask that question. And the question has always come back as a no. And so really what happened is there's not one, we had one person ask us, they said, man, you know, what, what was the reason for this decision? And there's not necessarily one distinctive reason as to why we would do it. There was just a, just a combining of several multiple circumstances, conversations, and realities that have just all converged on one moment, which are usually moments where you have to pay attention and to say, step back and say, is there something bigger than us going on? And so all of those things were happening, and they were taking us. And so we, we started to have this conversation during that moment, and it just seemed to be graced in a way that it wasn't graced before. And so Pastor Fred asked the governance team, and the governance team said, just send out some emails to see if we get any response. So Pastor Fred sends out the email, and as we get the email back, him and I were talking, and we were just like, okay, if we were to do this, right? I mean, if we were to do this, what's the church we would want to partner with? We were like, well, we want it to be an amazing facility, right? We want it to be the most ideal location it could possibly be, and we want them to be distinct from who we are, but yet still have a gospel-centered message to who they are as a church. Um, And so we were like, who is that? And we are just like, dude, Newtown United Methodist is ideal. I mean, that's it right there. So we sent out the email with basically a faith of how funny would it be if they said yes, right? I mean, that was about the level of our faith. And so we sent it out, and would you not believe it, as soon as we sent it out, it was a little bit before they responded. Um, and so definitely God was testing us and just like, you know, have they responded or what's going on? And so Pastor Fred ends up calling the church and the administrator, she answers and she's like, I've been meaning to call you. And he's just like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like what's that about? So he ends up having a meeting with, with Pastor Mike and Pastor Mike tells him, hey, when you e- sent that email, our board had just taken time to start talking about how we could find a church that we could partner with and share our facilities with. Because we want to have, right? We want to have a kingdom heart and a kingdom mindset where we can come together with other churches and work together together to make a bigger impact than we can on our own. That was their prayer, right? And we sent the email right after their meeting, right? So we're sitting there for two weeks going, are they going to respond? I guess it's not a go. Like, oh, well, we'll just kind of see. They've been taking two weeks to run it through committees and pray and talk and do all this different stuff. And then they come back to us like, we're ready to do this thing. And we're just like, what? Are you serious? Like, holy cow. The timing of the way that God worked everything out in the sense of the transition of us just saying, is this right for us? And then God simultaneously working in the hearts of another church to unify us and to connect us together for his purposes, it's astounding. It's absolutely amazing to see the way those things worked out. So let's look to scripture real quick. Let's look to scripture real quick. And I just want you to know at this point um, that my goal is is to end uh, early today, and you all laugh, but my goal is to end early today so that we can have a time of Q&A afterwards. And so if you would like to stay and ask any questions, that you're going to have time to do that. And so if you have things racing through your mind, write them down, and so that Pastor Fred and I can have time to talk about those after service, all right? Um, so here's the deal. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. 
Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. I don't want to read verses 4 through 8. You can read them on your own. You'll see why. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. Verse 12. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops on the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Now, to to kind of give a little bit of context, if you're not familiar with the story, this is a big deal. Manna was something that God had been providing for over 40 years to the Israelites as a means of how they were eating in the desert. And so there was a moment where they're just like, we're famished, we can't eat, and, you know, everything is horrible, and we're going to die. And God just starts raining bread and doves from the sky for 40 years. And that had been their way of being able to be nourished and to be fed and keep from getting hungry and angry and all of that fun stuff. And so all of that's happening. Now you have, you have the Israelites now camped up on the edge of the promise that God was guaranteeing to them. It's a moment and a place where they've heard all the stories before. Their probably minds are racing. My dad said the giants were, you know, 80 foot tall and dad said this, you know, and all of these things are going, but they're saying, no, this is what God wants us to do. And this is what we're going to do. And in that moment, they begin to harvest from the land in which God had already given to them. And the thing that was a provision in the past had ceased. And we can see in our own life, and there's a principle that can happen for each and every one of us is, is that the change of what had been his provision gave them opportunity to believe in his promise. See, they were walking, and if they continued to have manna given to them and dove given to them and all of this crazy stuff, then they could just keep saying, well, this is the way God's going to do things. This is the way it's always going to be. This is the way we're going to go. This is just what it means. But no, that stopped. But instead of being discouraged and saying, where did our bread go? They looked, and they said, God has promised this land, and they began to harvest from the land that God had promised to them. And so when we look at that as a church, when we look at that as 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 people that are following God, we've got to accept this and and believe this principle, all right? This principle is this, is that change gives us a reason to believe. Change gives us a reason to believe. A lot of times, and, and, and truthfully, the church is horrible when it comes to change. They hate change, right? Uh, how many of you like change? How many people like change? This is in your room right now, okay? All right, see how few hands there are? How many of you, you hate change, all right? You like things being the same, all right? How many of you are asleep right now? Okay, all right, good. All right, you still didn't respond, so I'm judging you. All right, so, let, so we don't like change. The reason that we don't like change is, is because we like to be comfortable, right? But however, it, the truth of the matter is, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Jesus, someone who follows God, the truth of the matter is, is that change should be the only constant in our lives. Change should be the only constant because God puts you in a place for, your, for his will to be fulfilled and for him to use you to do what he wants to be done in a moment, right? And when you've done and you've experienced what God wants you to do in that moment, God wants you to grow. In most spot, God maybe wants you to move, but God wants you to step into what he has next for you so that he can further reveal his glory in this world. Change should be something that we anticipate, that we look forward to, and it should be something that we embrace, 
And so this moment of change that is there for them, it was a moment for them to begin to realize God's promise for them. And so when we look at this change, we look at what's in front of us and we look at what we're facing. We can see all the ways in which God has provided for us and cared for us. I, when I was talking with Dan and just talking to him about this move and, and all the things that are happening, it was so fun because he just began to reflect on when we were moving from the theater to the YMCA. And just, you remember when God, you know, just all the things that God lined up and the trailer just kind of happened. I mean, it was just one of those moments like, how in the world is that even happening to us? And, and these carpets that are here that we all love laying and picking up every single week, like these carpets, like we literally bought them the Friday before our first Sunday. Right? And the guy's like, oh, no problem. I can have them to you by Thursday. Right? I mean, it's just like all of the things that happened and just fell in line. Like, it literally just felt like we were catching up to the things that God was doing. And God put us in this place to provide for us, to unify us, to do some work in us. And now God is saying, I've got more for you. There's another opportunity I have for you. I'm putting you in this place. And so, what has been our provision, right? is now an opportunity for us to walk away from so that we can see the promise that God has for us. That we begin to reap from the things that God has already begun to sow in our lives in times past. And so we look at this moment and we have to step into it with this anticipation that it's not like, oh, hope and see this goes okay. That we step into this and say, God is doing miraculous things. I mean, think about the fact that you have a group of people, church leaders, that meets on a regular basis that all are in agreement, which is one of the healthy things about our church, one of the things that we love about our church, right? But all of us are saying, I think God's doing something. And then we take it out to the bigger circle that we call the MLTC, and they're just like, hey, I think God is doing something, right? And then we're just like, okay, well, let's just start seeing, let's start getting some feelers. Then we send it out to the church that we want to partner with that we just think, <laughs> that's going to be so funny, they're not even going to email us back, you know, and if they do, I don't know what it's going to look like. And they're just like, we just got done praying for you. Praying for you to be here. And you look at that and you say, holy cow, God is doing something. God is moving. God is leading. That's an opportunity for us to step into it and say, God, what are you going to do for us? God, what are you going to do through us? And God, what are we going to be able to do for you and for your glory in this change? So here's the promise that God has given us. As a church, I remind myself, so I want to reflect on this all the time. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I say this all the time, that God's plan A is the church. God's plan A is the church, to reveal to the world who Jesus is and the hope of Jesus. He's doing it and has been doing it for thousands of years through the church. It's his plan. The church is not a mistake. It's not a, we'll see if it works, and if it doesn't, we'll do something else. It's through the church. Our promise from God is that when we come together around the person of Jesus, lift him up, that God will use us to not only in our community, not only in this state or country, not only in this world, but to the heavenly realms, God will use us to reveal his wisdom and his glory. That's what God is inviting us into. That's the promise that he has for us as a church, that we're not just coming here to exist, but we're here to be a part of God's eternal plans and purposes. 
That's what we get to be a part of. That's what we get to step into. And when God's aligning things and says, this is how I want you to do it, and this is the way I want you to do it, we need to say, God, I'm all in. I don't care what the giants are. I don't care what in the world's facing us. I don't care how you call me to do it. I'm ready and I'm willing to step into it. So here's the reason why we're going to do it. You guys should be encouraged because I've blown through all of those notes and so I really can't get in early. <laughs> so here's the reason. Here's the reason that we're going to do this. The reason we're going to do this is so that we can solidify the narrative of our mission and give us and give a clear distinctive to who we are as a church. What are we about and who are we? What do we do and how do we do it? We need to clarify that and get an opportunity to say, this is who we are, and this is how we do what God's called us to do. We, we celebrate other churches all the time here at City Life. You hear us talk about it all the time, even when we're doing Next Step cards, we've had other pastors tell us, why in the world do you do that? We believe that it's important for you, wherever you are and whoever you are, to get plugged into a spiritual home, whether it's this church or another church. That's one of the most important things you can do. And so we believe in other churches, we love other churches, but we also believe that God has created different churches, many churches that exist in one community to to show the diversity and the love and the mercy of God in unique ways. And so this is not us saying this is the right way, the only way, and the best way to do it. We're saying this is the right way for us to do it, this is the best way for us to do it, and this is the way we're going to go. Right? And so as we go through these things, this distinctive of who we are and clarifying the narrative of what we're supposed to do, these are not as isolating statements to say everybody else stinks at Jew and church and this is the right way to do it. We're saying this is the way and the method in which God's called us to go. Are you with me on that? So here's the three, here's the three reasons. Number one, a kingdom mindset. We believe that God has called us and is calling us to be a church that is leading the charge in helping to show the world the unity of Christians through local community churches. And we believe that God's given us an idea, a method, a way of doing that in shared spaces. The Newport News campus, they work out of a shared space where there's three or four churches that are meeting there at that location, all using the spaces at the same time. Where we office out of in Newport News, it's a shared space. There is three or four churches using that space at all times. There's some days during the week where all of us have something going on and that building's just bursting with opportunity and ministries and all kinds of stuff. And it's fun. You watch Pastor Fred and Pastor Seth walk around and they're just smiling ear to ear. Why? Because they're walking out in God's purposes and they're walking out in what God's called them to do and they're doing it together. It's a Baptist church and a Pentecostal church doing life and doing ministry together. I mean, that's awesome, right? In John chapter 17, verse 23, it says, I am in them and you are in me. This is Jesus talking to God. This is Jesus' prayer for you and I. So may they, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. How is the world supposed to know God's love for them? Through the unity of the church. That's how he's supposed to know it. But yet the church is known more for disunity than it is for unity. We want to be a church that is kingdom mindset, a kingdom hearted, that when we come together and share our spaces, come on, let's be honest, right? When you have somebody in your family come and live in your home, it changes your relationship with them, right? Right? When you bring people together, it changes your relationship. You can say, oh, I love that church and all that stuff. But when you start rubbing shoulders together and sharing the bathroom, things change. Right? Right? 
We want to be a church that's coming together, doing life with other churches, showing the world the unity and the power of the church, the uniqueness of who we are, the diversity of how God's called us to go and to reach this community. We want to be able to celebrate those things in each one of our churches and come together unified around the person of Jesus and do what he's called us to do. Secondly, secondly, we want to give room for families to practice Sabbath. This is something that Newport News has been enjoying now for several years and that we feel like that has isolated Williamsburg in some way where we've not been able to step into the, to the depth that Newport News has. So Saturday service for us is not necessarily about just, it's not, we don't go through it and we look at it and, and some do and we can have that discussion at different times where we say Saturday is the day we're supposed to have service and that whole conversation. We just look at it and we say, you know, based off of our culture, the way things are moving, the way things are just happening... Families, individuals, followers of Christ have less and less time to practice Sabbath. Everything is pushing out one of the greatest commands that God has given us. We talked about this not too long ago. The the, the command to Sabbath, it is the fourth command that God gives us. And it is the hinge on what we are supposed to do in following God and how we're supposed to love others. We love God better and we love others better when we rest well. And so what we want to do is we want to step into a place where we can help to disciple and give opportunity for those that call City Life their home a chance to Sabbath better. Now, can other people do it on Sundays? Absolutely. Is there any reason why we could look at other churches and say, you're a bummer, you're missing out? Absolutely not. God's called them to do what God's called them to do, and he's called us to do what he's called us to do. And we believe that this is a chance for us to do the third thing, which is to reach those that are undevoted, disconnected, and discipled. We want to step into what God has given us as a church, a way of reaching people, a way of loving on people that would not otherwise grace the doorstep of a church. We want to step into a place where we can say, God, you've called us as a church to reach distinct people. And we want to do that in the way that you've graced, in the way that you've called us. And so we're going to step into this moment, not so that we can just say, yeah, we get to sleep in on Sunday, though that's how we're going to follow you better. We're stepping into this moment so we can say, this is how we're going to reach the people that you've called us to reach as a church. And God, you have distinctly and perfectly laid out this timing in your will. You've made all of these things come together. You've made all of these promises revealed. All of these things that, that otherwise seemed forced at other moments or seemed impossible at other moments. You've brought them all together. You converged them on this moment for us to step into it and say, God, we're ready to follow you. We're ready to go wherever you want us to go. We're ready to do whatever you want us to do. And I'm just telling you, church, we absolutely believe and we're convinced that this is the moment that God is setting us up to do what he's called us to do here in Williamsburg. Are we going to have other campuses that have Sunday services? Possibly, who knows, right? That's in another day for another time. This is the moment we're looking at, and God says, hey, listen, my promise is right here. My promise is, is that I want you to be a church that reveals the various, wonderful, majestic, powerful realities of my kingdom in this world. I want you to be a church that does that. And I've relied all these things and I've created this moment for you to step in to be able to do it. And I want us to be a church that says, God, we're ready. God, we're willing. We're chasing after you. Amen? Amen. Uh,
so at this moment, we want our lead pastor, Pastor Fred, to come up, and he's got a couple thoughts he's going to share, and he's going to close us out in prayer. I know you're thinking, I thought we were going to get out of here early, right? <laughs> Just kidding. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked out of a grave, right? It, it's, it's a, it, is, it, it was the birthing of Christianity was his, his resurrection. And, uh, and that's why Sunday is sacred to the church. And, and that's why the church has been meeting on Sunday for over 2,000 years. It's because it was the day that was set aside to, to celebrate his resurrection. And the, and the trap that we oftentimes fall into is, is this idea that the only way that we can celebrate his resurrection is by doing what we're doing right now. And, and what God spoke to us about, uh, I, I guess it was about, uh, it was in the summer of 2008 when God began to speak to us about the Newport News campus moving to, to, to Saturday night, is that there are many ways that we can celebrate and honor the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And us moving on to Saturday is not to give up the significance and the sacredness of Sunday. It's so that we can celebrate the significance of Sunday through rest, through pursuing relationships with one another, and through reaching out to the people around us. And those three R words became kind of a rallying cry for the Newport News campus in 2008, was rest and relationship and reaching. And, and by us being at home on Sundays, it's going to create an opportunity for us to step into those moments in ways that we've never been able to step into them before. And so Sunday morning is going to become for you as a campus a new way to celebrate the life that Jesus has given to us. And Saturday night is going to be this night of great celebration that we, that we gather together. And it's, has, I'm telling you, it's revolutionized families at the Newport News campus for them to have a family day together to do those three things. It's just been absolutely, absolutely amazing. And we know it's going to be the same thing here. This time next year, this time next year, because our Southside campus is going to launch in January, there'll be three Saturday night campuses happening uh, on the peninsula in this region uh, this time next year. And we're, we're just so excited about how God is moving. And we know that more campuses are going to come. And as Jamie said, those campuses may or may not launch on Saturday. We don't know the answer to that, but we know God knows the answer, and then he's going to show us. And then our responsibility is just to be obedient as he leads us. So Father, as we just as we step into this in this season of change. Father, I pray that that you would 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 just cause our hearts to feel to cause our hearts to feel your presence and the way that you're leading us. That God, as, as, as Jamie shared, God, we don't, we're not trying to run after creative ideas. We're, we're not trying to, 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 to just be different for different sake, to try to set ourselves apart. We, we just have one ultimate goal that we're trying to do in this life is to say, God, what are you doing? What are you asking of us? And help us to be faithful. So, Father, as you're finding us faithful in this moment of change, Father, we also pray for Newtown United Methodist, and we thank you for their willingness, God, to to be courageous and faithful in the change that you're asking for them. And we pray today, Father, because I know they're praying it together with us, that this new partnership that is forming together, that we are going to be able to, just as Pastor Jamie was sharing, be a fulfillment of Jesus' prayer in John 17, that there is going to be a witness of unity and togetherness in this community that is not here before. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said together, amen, amen.